0: So last week, Pastor James uh, talked about the anointing of Jesus and um, how Mary broke that super expensive bottle of perfume, nard, poured it out on Jesus' head, and Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing. She has anointed my body for burial. Uh, And one of the things that I want to stress, I want us to get during this series, is that Jesus went to the cross willingly, eyes wide open, John chapter 10 Verse 17, Jesus says, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Uh, I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to take it up again. This the Father has given me. Um, And so the cross is not plan B. The cross is not failure. The cross is the preordained uh, plan of God, the Father, that was uh, executed by the Son in obedience For, as Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. And so Jesus, knowing the cross is coming, keeps stepping forward, keeps stepping toward the cross. And why does He do it? He does it in obedience to Father and to save you and me. Uh, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, and we are part of that joy, we are part of that joy. Uh, and so, the, the road to Easter, as Pastor James mentioned last week, uh, is a road that Jesus walked down because He loves us, because He loves us. And so, we'd see the love of God just throughout this, uh, this whole series, throughout this, these stories. Well, today we are uh, looking at the Last Supper uh, this is recorded in three of the four Gospels, and today we're going to be looking at Luke's account, so turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 7. Now, we could title this message, The Last Supper, because it is the, the last meal Jesus had with His disciples while on earth. We could also title it, The Final Passover, because uh, this was the final Passover because what Jesus was about to do uh, fulfilled all that the Passover foreshadowed. Uh, we are told uh, that Jesus is the Passover Lamb uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He is the true Passover Lamb. And, and we could also call it the First Communion because it is at this Meal that Jesus institutes the rite of communion. So we could could give this sermon three different titles the Last Supper, uh, the Final Passover, the First Communion, and those would all be correct. Luke chapter 22, verse 7 Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now, from what I understand, Galilean Jews celebrated Passover on Thursday uh, from sunset to sunrise. Judean Jews celebrated the Passover on Friday from sunrise to sunset. Jesus, being a Galilean Jew, uh, is apparently following the Thursday night sunset to sunrise um, um, chronology, which is why Jesus was actually being put to death uh, when the Judean Jews were actually Sacrificing the Passover lambs on Friday, Uh, very timely, right? The Passover lamb uh, is hanging on the cross, while uh, the Judean Jews are cutting up their uh, their actual Passover lambs. So, what is? Let's talk about the Passover because uh, this is a. It's not just any meal; it's the Passover meal. Uh, Jesus or God had uh, instituted an annual Passover celebration for his people. They were to commemorate the great act of deliverance where God set his people free from slavery to the pharaohs. And this had happened hundreds of years earlier. For 430 years, uh, the Jewish people had been slaves to the pharaohs of Egypt. And then God set them free free through his uh, prophet Moses. Uh, There had been nine plagues already poured out on the Egyptians But Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. He would not let uh, God's people go free. And so God said, okay, I'm going to send you the, the final, most devastating plague. I'm going to send the angel of death throughout the land. And he will kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians, both animals and people. But for my people, the Jews, I'm going to provide a way of escape you will kill a lamb. It must be a a lamb without spot or blemish. And you will take the blood of the lamb and you will uh, paint it on the doorposts and the lintel of your home. And then you make sure you stay in the house and you will eat that Passover lamb uh, for dinner. You will eat it, all of it. And you'll eat it standing up because I am going to enact a great deliverance this very night. Well, that night, the angel of the Lord went throughout the land, killing the firstborn. But the angel of the Lord passed over the homes on which the blood of the lamb uh, was on the doorposts. Thus, the word Passover. The angel of the Lord passed over uh, those who were covered by the blood. Uh, And then that did, in fact, break the will of Pharaoh. And he said, uh, not just you may go, please get out of here." And the Egyptians handed over to the Jews gold and silver and said, "You know, please leave us." Uh, and there was this great exodus, this great escape, this great deliverance from slavery. And of course, of course, that ex- exodus uh, included m- going to Mount Sinai and at Mount Sinai, uh, God instituted the Mosaic covenant. He gave his people his law and the sacrificial system. Uh, And he said, you're my people, I'm your God. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And this is the Mosaic covenant that um, governed God's relationship with the nation of Israel until the coming of Jesus Christ. And so for for every every year from uh, that first Passover until... This moment where Jesus is eating it with his apostles, faithful Jews had had remembered God's great deliverance with this Passover meal. And so it's it's this day, this once a year day on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Verse 8, so Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? We're not aware of any plan. Uh, What do you want us to do? Where are we supposed to go? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, speaking of Jerusalem, most likely they're in Bethany, which is about a mile and a half uh, outside of Jerusalem. That's where they had been uh, spending the evenings. Uh, When you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, "The teacher says to you, "Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples?" And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there." And they went and found it just as He had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So either Jesus had done some advanced preparation of which the disciples were unaware. Wow, he's been making deals on the sides, and that's what Luke is pointing out—just how efficient of an administrator he is of his group. Or this is a demonstration of Jesus's sovereignty, his omniscience, and his uh, command of people. And I think that's it because this is this event is recorded in multiple gospels, and I think uh, I think it's to reveal to us. Uh, Jesus' divinity, aspects of His divinity. Verse 14, and when the hour came, most likely that's sunset, Thursday, he reclined at table. So I've got a picture here, Leonardo da Vinci's famous, The Last Supper. He must not have read the Bible. They were not sitting at chairs. Right? We're told they're reclining at the table uh, so they're they're lying down on pillows, as was uh, common with the Romans and in the Middle East at this time. And he said to them, oh, and he's with the apostles, so at a minimum he's with the twelve apostles. Uh, we don't know if there were others. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So, Jesus had been anticipating this particular moment. Uh, he understood its significance. He earnestly desired uh, to get to this place. And, in fact, this meal lasted for many hours, from sunset until uh, midnight. Uh, and Jesus did a whole lot of teaching in this, at this Last Supper that the Gospels record, uh, and then including some significant acts like the washing of the disciples' feet uh, and the outing of Thomas, uh, uh, not Thomas. The outing of Judas Iscariot as as the uh, betrayer. I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus is very aware that the cross is immediately before him. He knows this is the last time I'm going to be with all of you. And 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 so knowing that. This is a moment uh, freighted with a lot of significance, and he tries. He passes off a lot of important information in, in this last meal. For I tell you, verse 16, I will not eat it again. Whoops! For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on... I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus knows this is my last Passover meal. This is my last meal with you guys. I'm not going to eat or drink this again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom, until I drink it with you in, in the kingdom of God. Uh, what I love about this is that Jesus? Jesus knows I'm about to go to the cross, my earthly life is about to end, but there's a future. There's a future for me and there's a future for you because of what I'm about to do. The, the future kingdom is only made possible because Jesus is obedient to the Father to the point of death. It's only because Jesus was willing to lay his life down on the cross that we can live with Him forever. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. And I believe that Jesus is, uh, this is an indication of Jesus uh, imagining that glorious future, that joy that awaits Him as a result of His suffering. I suspect He's envisioning Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Passover Lamb, whose death makes it possible for the angel of death to pass over us. Each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you. To take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Jesus, here he is, his last meal, the cross is before him, but he knows that through the cross he makes available this future kingdom where He has ransomed not just those 12 apostles. He's ransomed you and me and and every man, woman, and child from every culture and, and tongue and color of skin throughout history who has repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ, the millions upon millions who are going to be saved because of what Jesus does. And He will reign. They will reign with Him on the earth, For all time. Awesome. Verse 19. Jesus now institutes the rite of communion. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Ah, Sabrina, you didn't get my matzah, did you? Nope. You got my matzah? No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The, this is not what Jesus picked up. He had a, a big piece of unleavened bread, and he broke it into lots of smaller pieces and handed it to his apostles. And uh, he said, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. I don't think his apostles understood at that point what he was talking about. Jesus was fully aware of what he was about to do. He knew that he was about to hand his body over to be killed, to atone for the sins of his apostles and all who would believe in him. And it's, it's his body and it's given to them and they are to do this in remembrance of me. Now, a lot of ink has been spilled over the years over what exactly this is my body means. And uh, Catholics, for example, believe that uh, that the at, during communion, the bread becomes the literal body of Jesus. It's the doctrine of transubstantiation. Uh, the the, the substance is transformed into the literal body of Christ. The, blood, uh, the juice or the wine becomes His actual blood. And so you're, you are ingesting uh, the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, Lutherans take more of a consubstantiation approach, which is Christ is uh, spiritually present in a very special way in the bread and the wine. And then other Christians understand these as simple symbols which are representative. Uh, And so the idea there is Jesus didn't think that the bread he was holding up was actually his body, but rather a symbol that um, represented uh, his body. And so that Christians are to be remembering uh, his sacrifice as they eat and drink. But the key is do this in remembrance of me. I don't think the apostles uh, understood what Jesus was doing in the moment. But after His death and resurrection, uh, the Spirit of God brought back all of this and gave it clarity. Verse 20, And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, Jesus' blood was uh, spilt on the cross to atone for our sins. So i got a couple of verses in, in 1 Peter that really help us understand what Jesus was doing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Why the cross? Well, because the wages of sin is death. You and I have sinned and we deserve death. And Jesus, the God-man, went to the cross, substituted himself on our behalf. He took the punishment for our sins on himself, on the tree, on the cross. Uh, he, his body was broken, his blood was shed, so that we might be healed from sin. In First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 18... We read this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that He might bring us to God. We, our sins separated us from God, uh, but by dying on the cross, our sins are forgiven and we can be reconciled to God. It's amazing. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So, I think what we need, to, what what I want us to understand, is that Jesus is fully aware of what he's about to do. He's fully aware of its theological significance, of its importance, of what it's going to accomplish. Jesus knows that those twelve men he's having dinner with are sinners, separated from God because of their sin, and their only hope for life everlasting is Jesus goes to the cross. And takes their sin upon himself and suffers the full wrath of God poured out upon his body. And he's, uh, he sheds his blood so that their sins are paid for. And then they can be reconciled to God. And they can, they can live forever and ever with him. And why is he able to survive? Well, because he's the God-man. And, and he conquers death in the resurrection. Jesus knows what He's about to do. I want to focus on one other word here. Notice He says, it's the new covenant in my blood. Now this is very significant. It's a new covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is a way of relating. And so God had entered into different covenants throughout time. Uh, with humans, there is, uh, for example, the, noet, the, the noetic covenant, and that's a, a covenant God entered into with all people, in which he said, I will no longer destroy the earth with a flood, and the sign of the covenant is the rainbow. So all people throughout all time can be sure God's not going to destroy the earth with a, a flood, he's entered into that covenant. He entered into a covenant with Abraham, called the Abrahamic covenant, in which he said, uh, I'll make you a great nation, and through you all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. He'd, he entered into the Mosaic covenant with the nation of Israel. We already talked a little bit about that. He entered into the uh, Divinic covenant with David in which he said, One of your descendants will always be on the throne forever and ever. And now, he is, Jesus Christ is introducing a new covenant, a new way that God is going to relate to people. The prophet Jeremiah foretold this day, and the people of God for hundreds of years had been looking forward to the the new covenant that was coming. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, "...Behold, the days are coming," declares the Lord, "...when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt." my covenant that they broke. So he's contrasting the new covenant that Jesus brings about with the Mosaic covenant that the, he entered into at Mount Sinai. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their heart. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they'll all know me. From the least of these to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And Jesus at the Last Supper is saying, I'm introducing the new covenant. God is now, because of what I'm about to do on the cross, God is going to relate to people in a new and a better way. By the way, The first Passover was celebrated before the Great Deliverance. The the first communion was celebrated before the Great Deliverance, isn't that that amazing? Jesus is, is very aware that when He goes to the cross and dies on behalf of the world, that He is introducing a new covenant, a new way that God will relate to people. And it is simply put, by grace through faith. The new way that God relates to people is by grace, which is unmerited favor. You don't earn it. God just relates to you through grace. And it's by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's that simple. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ you're reconciled to God and he relates to you from that point on through his grace and you don't earn that you're just his child and he loves you and he loves you for all eternity and it's it's a way of relating that 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 Jesus makes possible through his death and frankly it is we spend a lifetime trying to believe it <laughs> and live it live it out day by day this covenant uh, is not just an alternative, it's not just one of many ways that we can relate to God, it is the way God relates to people now, the only way. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 we read, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant He mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he... And it goes on, verse 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. So, you, there, there aren't multiple ways to relate to God. There is one way to relate to God, and that is through... Uh, Faith in His Son, Jesus, and all the grace that that opens up into our lives. So let me summarize uh, some of what is happening theologically uh, on this Last Supper. Number one, the Passover Lamb. Jesus is 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He is our Passover Lamb. Jesus' death makes it possible for God to pass over us, uh, to no longer be uh, the objects of God's uh, wrath or to be subject to death. Uh, the It is a greater exodus. There was freedom from uh, physical slavery and what Jesus does is sets us free from slavery to sin and death. It's a greater exodus. It's a new people of God. Um, the. All those who have faith in Jesus Christ are now united with Christ by faith. We are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, that's what makes you part of the people of God. You're not part of the people of God unless you have faith in the Messiah, God's Son, Jesus. We enter uh, by faith into this relationship, into this new covenant. You're not; Humans are not automatically uh Living underneath the new covenant, you don't automatically benefit from the death of Jesus Christ. You must put your faith in Christ for that to be a reality for you. And uh, just as God wanted the Jewish people to remember the first Passover and the first great exodus, so he has established the rite of communion so that the people of God will not forget the great sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we are going to take communion today um, in which we are going to remember. uh, And we do this every other week here at Clearwater Church because it is a proclamation of the gospel, right? Uh, When we eat the bread, when we drink the cup, it is a reminder that Jesus laid his life down for us. And because of that, We have a a relationship with God by grace through faith. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and um, they're going to sing over us, and I encourage you during the song just to um, be quiet and meditate and remember Jesus and His great sacrifice on our behalf. And then I'll come back up and and we'll take communion together. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 warns us not to partake of communion unworthily. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself." Now, some have incorrectly thought that what that means is I need to get my life all straightened out before I take communion. I need to start living worthily, and then I'll come to the table. Well, when, when does that ever happen? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't partake of communion without really dwelling on Christ. Understand what you're doing you are pausing to reflect upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, it is also good to examine ourselves, uh, and so, but what, what that means is scan and delete. That's what it means. You just pause and you like, David, you say, search me, O God. Try me, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And you pause and you let the Holy Spirit bring to mind any unconfessed sin, any areas in your life that need adjusted. And then you resolve right then, Lord forgive me, help me, I want to do what's right. And you orient yourself Godward again. And then you receive the grace that is yours in Jesus Christ. And you don't you don't hold off another week to come to communion, you come. And as you eat and you drink, you are, you are embracing afresh the forgiveness that is yours because of Christ's death on the cross. All right? Now, I think communion can be an appropriate place to become a Christian, <laughs> right? Because it happens in an instant. And so, maybe today for the very first time, God is moved in your heart and you are saying, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died to pay the penalty for my sins and I want in. I want Jesus to save me. Well, then you come and you partake of communion today and because as we eat and as we drink, we are by faith taking in Christ and we are saying, I am Christ, I am united with Christ. What Jesus Christ has done, did 2,000 years ago, uh, saves me. That's what we're doing. It's a, it's a, a supreme act of faith in, in Christ's death. So I'm going to invite you to uh, come forward during this next song as it's being sung, and uh, why don't you exit to left, come up, get your elements, go back to your seats, and then after the song is sung, we'll, uh, sung, we'll partake together. So please go ahead and start coming. questions as we examine ourselves, number one am I seeing in the bread and the wine a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice, number two is there any sin I'm unwilling to give up to gain Jesus, number three have I forgiven those who have offended me number four Am I being public about my faith? Am I um, being willing to be open with others about my faith in Jesus Christ? I think if, if the answer to any of those is no, I don't think we're ex- uh, being worthily coming to the table as it uh, deserves. So wrestle with those questions, and when you've resolved them, then eat with us. Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This covenant, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus Christ is coming again. And we say this. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again.